it's Tyler. This is Danny. And happy holidays. This is our holidays episode, our Christmas episode, and because of that, we're bringing you a very special present. Why don't you say hi, Alex? Hey, guys. <laughs> this is the Doggy Man. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, for Great sure. Great yeah. to be here. Yeah, so for episode 99, we ended up having a guest as a special surprise for all of us, really, because we lucked out and you watched the movie the same week we did. Yeah. Just, Just a couple days ago, I think. Yeah. yeah. Nice coincidence. I mean, we wanted to probably have you in for a while anyway, really, because we always end up talking to you about all these horror movies. This is awesome. Yeah, and you've seen a couple of films with us, too, so it's a nice way to have you on. What did Hereditary? I didn't go to that, because I still haven't seen it yet, but what did we go to that we talked about on this? Was it It? We went and seen It together last year. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So, I don't know why you weren't just on here after It, but whatever, you're on here now. We're going to talk about Black Christmas. Before we get to Black Christmas, Danny, do you have any news? So, there were a few things that I ran across I thought was interesting. It's a good way to maybe cap out the year, because a lot of this news is going into next year. Stuff that's important to the horror genre. So, we've talked about this film franchise because we have reviewed Tremors, and one of the mainstays, and I think he's been in all of them up to this point, is that Michael Gross has signed on for Tremors 7, And it's likely coming out next year. So for fans of that franchise, Michael Gross looks like he's coming back. And I would imagine he's going to continue to use good gun safety. I would imagine so. (laughs) Yeah, for those who are curious, check out our Tremors episode. We talk all about gun safety. (laughs) It's a lot of fun. Go back and check out the Tremors movies, Alex. Yeah. Michael Gross, the entire time, uses proper gun safety. Okay. I've seen the first. Yeah, if you watch, like, how he holds the guns, when he actually, like, loads, and, like, where he points the fucking, mm-hmm. the barrel, everything, he makes sure to use actual proper firearm safety for all of those movies. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> so we've talked about this news, is that there's going to be a remake of Critters, and it is slated to be shooting in January in South Africa. So for, Did it start production? I thought I saw some pictures online of like the critters, like the creatures. And yeah, stuff. I think like, there's a lot of stuff going out. on, yeah, as far as all your pre-production things. But yeah, it looks like shooting is going to start up here pretty soon, probably within the next few weeks. So that's mm-hmm. exciting. We've talked about this gentleman a few times because Tyler and I have both seen Mandy, but he has stated, and that is director Panos Cosmatos, says that he is absolutely planning on working with Nicolas Cage again. And they've also talked about, and this is just pitching ideas back and forth, but they talked about a sequel. Oh, shit. Yeah, with Red fighting Nazi punks. If it's a sequel to Mandy, would it just be Red at that point? Probably just pure Red. I would just call it Red. Why not? (laughs) That'd be a good follow-up. Pure Red. I like pure Red. Pure Red would be good. (laughs) So there's a chance, like I said, whether it's on a sequel or just a different film, but it does look like they are both interested in working together. So that's a lot of fun. Another thing we've talked about, we're big fans of Del Toro, and that's Guillermo, Mm -hmm. is that his film that he's producing, The Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, it is getting a theatrical release on August 9th of next year. So that's a big one. Andre Overdahl, the guy who directed... Troll Hunter. Yes, he is the Loved director Troll of this. Oh, loved it. Yeah. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. We know he's really good with fairy tales. So we'll see what happens, man. This is going to be fun. It's exciting. Wait, scary, gonna... stories, scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Is that based off the kids' books? Yeah, yeah the book. Oh, sure yeah. is. With the fucked up artwork? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The shit that like had you shooting yourself in your yeah, life. I love those. So many yeah. good films coming out next year. 
And the last bit of news I have to share is another franchise that we watched in the 90s is the Are You Afraid of the Dark? has a release date slated for October the 11th of next year. And the director for that particular film, it is that DJ Crusoe. He is known for The Disappointments Room, Triple X, The Return of Xander, Cage, and the film Disturbia. So it's interesting that he got slated for that. This movie's coming out. We just talked about the scary stories of Tom in the Dark. Mm -hmm. Around the same time, the new It's coming out. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's so many good films coming out for next fall. And this is one that I'm really looking forward to. I grew up watching that on Nickelodeon back in the 90s. For sure. Yeah, so those are a few of the bits of news that I found pertinent to the show. I found it was exciting because these are finally getting some release dates. So, yeah. I only really have one thing, and that's when I went to watch this movie, Black Christmas, on Shudder. Which, shout out to Shudder. Yeah, Shudder. Because <laughs> we both subscribe, and it's awesome. I love and it. And I wish that they would pay us to mention them. But uh, whatever, you never know. That's in the future. <laughs> I did notice they just added Ichi the Killer. Oh, sweet. And Hell we yeah. Just, uh, we just talked about that only a couple months ago. So it'd be cool if you went and checked that out. And we have some plans involving Ichi. Yeah. Hopefully in the future, some shit has to come together. But very much hopefully in the future, we will revisit Ichi. And go check it out because it's just a fucking laugh riot with tons of blood and yakuza and oh, it's great. <laughs> Wait, Shutter. I'm not familiar with that. Is that like a movie? It's watching? a streaming service. Oh, yeah. Okay, it's yeah. like Netflix, but it's all horror movies. Yeah, they do a really good job of cataloging by subgenre. They even have a like a channel that just streams movies, so that way you don't have to really think about what you want to watch. They'll just. Yeah, it's already playing something, yeah. so when you turn on the service, it's just like turning on a channel. I noticed something, day. too, okay. that I didn't realize, that you can scroll left and right with that. And, and there's a couple different channels. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, that's fucking nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so I when I turned it on today, like, they were playing Silver Bullet, and I almost didn't watch Black Christmas and watched Silver <laughs> Bullet. I watched Silver Bullet. Yeah, it's a really good stream. Black service. Christmas, I just watched on YouTube movies. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it was four bucks or something. Or... That's sweet, but yeah, this service is really good, and they rotate their catalog, and... I mean, they showcase... It's obviously not going to be as big of a catalog as, like, right. Netflix or something. Oh, no, but, but... it's specialized, so you're going to get just horror. Exactly. It's always yes. playing a movie. Yeah, yeah. And you can turn it on just like a station, or you can go put on whatever you want from their catalog. I just saw something, too, that Joe Bob Briggs is going to do another special for the holiday, so... It's awesome, <laughs> Joe man. Joe Bob Briggs. <laughs> yeah. He used to host, uh, what was it, Monster Vision? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on TNT back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so... They had one during Halloween that literally like crashed up their, their yeah. Like, there were so many people who signed up to watch that, and it crashed their server. And then they had one more recently during Thanksgiving. It was a big hit, and he slated again for the holiday season this holiday. Yeah, I think it was supposed to be like a one-off, and it kept being so successful. It's so big. He it's, just he, keeps coming. Yeah, back. people love him. He's hmm. great. Yeah. So oh, I mean, wow. they got some really cool shit, man. Yeah. I think they even have their own podcast and like original series, documentaries. I mean, it's a, it's a real good place for just horror, you know, in general. Speaking and of it's horror, it's really good for a... us when we're doing this show. Yeah, yeah. Is Elvira still alive? Cassandra, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she sure is. She just had a birthday not long ago. No way. <laughs> yeah, dude. So yeah, for those who are curious, it is available. We're talking about Black Christmas on YouTube. It's uh, available on, we just said Shudder, and it's also available on Showtime if you have that. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, it sounds like sweet. Cool. That's it for the news. We've already mentioned we're doing Black Christmas. We're going to get into a little bit of guts and bolts and then talk more about this movie.
Guts and Bolts. Alright, we're back. Guts and Bolts. A little bit of who and what went into this movie. And a little bit of who and what went into this episode. I feel like maybe we should start with our guest. Yeah. So, what we like to do is whenever we have a guest on, sometimes we'll ask, you know, what are some of the early films in your viewing? Like, whether you were a child, teenager, whatever, that got you into horror... You know, maybe some of your favorite films. Not necessarily that you have to answer all those, but just yeah, to give our, our audience a general idea of some of the films that you enjoy in the horror. And tell genre. us a little about yourself. Yeah. I'm, I mean, we know that you enjoy long walks on the beach and romantic candlelit <laughs> dinners, but... <laughs> I mean, we know you like pina coladas. And sorority houses. And sorority Okay. The first two movies that come to mind are Night of the Creeps. Nice. Which I watched at a friend's birthday party. And I remember the hair in my arms standing up watching it. I was so grossed out by those slugs yeah. that would crawl on your head and explode. I remember the sound. So this would have been like an 80s? Yeah, I was a teenager. Yeah. Just ready to sprout. <laughs> and uh, then, of course, the other one is The Shining, which I just didn't understand. Freaked me out. Didn't understand why adults were dressed up in those animal outfits, <laughs> kneeling in front of the other. I didn't know what they were doing. Nobody explained that to me for 20 years. <laughs> Still a little confused about it. Um, so yeah, those two were rock solid. So those are the ones that stuck with you? Yeah. And then once I hit puberty, I started watching Friday the 13th because there were nude chicks in it. Yeah, 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 for sure. And they always had giant boobs and looked like <laughs> playmates from the 80s, which was pretty much my favorite type of woman. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the twins. Yeah. Friday the 13th, Shining, Night of the Creeps. Nice. Oh, yeah. Those are some great ones. Mm-hmm. So yeah, dude. That's fun. Are there any films like recently that you might want to recommend or just anything that stuck with you more recently? Uh, we were talking about The Witch earlier, and The Witch freaked me out. It was a fucking killer movie. Love that film. The Witch, yeah. um, Hereditary, was unreal. You know what? As freaky as The Witch is, the thing i found with it lately is it's the type of horror movie that you can still recommend to people who aren't usually into horror movies. That's yeah, still great point. It. I know there's a couple people I've, I've gotten to watch it that usually aren't into this shit. That they're like, oh, that was a good movie, but I was kind of freaked out, but it was fucking yeah. good. <laughs> oh, you know, the third movie I'm thinking of is uh, American Werewolf in... In London? In London. Is that the first one? Yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. That's a great film, too. It's a combination of the horror and the comedy and the action. And, yeah, yeah it's, like, it's like a really good blend of it all. There's yeah. no CGI, I don't think. And no, all of it's practical, as far as I know. And it was gory as fuck, you know, <laughs> which yeah. I loved. And I think, too, you know, because it was like an early 80s film... It was kind of ushering that new wave of horror fans. Yeah. Uh, one other question for sure. When did you tap out in Tusk? Uh, <laughs> multiple times, dude. Why did he make me watch this? Why did he make me watch this? Why is he always wet? Why is he always wet? <laughs> did you get to finish it? I did, yeah. Okay. Nice. Good deal. How many times? After you commented on the poster when you came in, I was like, oh yeah, he tapped out. I mean, at least three times it took me. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh my God, I love Tusk. We're not here to talk about Tusk, but God damn it, I love Tusk. But no, thanks for joining us, man. It was was a really good time to uh, not only find out that you were watching this film for the first time, but that we were actually doing it for our holiday episode, so it was perfect timing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so Black Christmas, maybe we should give a summary. Yes, we'd like to at least give our audience an idea of what this film entails, just in case they are interested in watching it. And haven't yet, and are listening to us first. Why? I don't know why you'd listen to us first, but I'm sure people do it. I'm sure people do it. So, Black Christmas. Oh, shit. Sorority House. Sorority House. (laughs) Trying to think how to keep spoiler-free. 
Oh, right. Because it's really easy to give away that ending, I think. But sorority girls are terrorized mostly on the phone, but are terrorized while most of them are gone on Christmas vacay as just sort of the stragglers and the house mother, and people go missing. How about that? Lois Lane? Does that work? <laughs> Lois Lane's there. Yeah. Drunk most of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a good brief synopsis. You know, we like to talk about the people that go into making the film, whether it be in front of the camera or behind the camera. And for this week, we can talk about, of course, the people who go into making the film. And I'd like to talk about our director, who is Bob Clark. Now, he started off doing some, what he considered like 60s, kind of watered down, sleazy kind of, you know, soft, pornish style, like teen romps and for early 20-somethings, and then he got into doing some horror films, and one of those were Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, <laughs> Yeah, and he also did a film called Dead of Night. When you start going through some of his other things, he did some projects entitled Murder by Decree, he's known for directing Tribute, he's also known for some classic comedies. You keep just like skipping over the giant one. Oh, no doubt, there's three I, of them, really. I know that you're trying to like build it up, but Bob <laughs> Clark... Especially since you were talking about tits earlier, <laughs> should be brought up that he was the director Big of, ones. of Porky's. Porky's one and two. No way. <laughs> yeah, so you can see where some of that comedy comes through. He's also the director of a classic holiday movie, and that's a Christmas story. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow, yeah. No shit, right? He's also known for directing the film Turk 182, It Runs in the Family. And some not-so-great films, uh, Baby, Baby Geniuses. Geniuses and Super Babies, Baby Geniuses Part 2. Oh, fuck. He did the sequel, too? Yeah. So not-so-great to round it out. <laughs> All right. Now, our writer on this film is a gentleman, and his name is Roy Moore. He is known for writing the scripts for She Cried Murder, the film Real, and the film The Last Chase. Our cinematographer on this is Reg Morris. He's known for being the DP on films such as The Food of Gods, Shadow of the Hawk. He's also done stuff with Bob Clark, such films as Murder by Decree, Tribute, Porky's 1 and 2, A Christmas Story, Turk 182, a television series I grew up watching. It was on HBO back in the 80s, but he's known for doing a few episodes of The Hitchhiker from 85 and 86. He was the DP on the film Popeye Doyle <laughs> and also the film Loose Cannons. Our editor on this film is Stan Cole. He's worked on, of course, Mr. Clark's films, Murder by Decree, Porky's 1 and 2, A Christmas Story, Turk 182, The Hitchhiker from 83 through 86, the film Loose Cannons, another horror film that I really like. It's a film called Popcorn. He's also the editor on It Runs in the Family, Blonde and Blonder, The Golden Boys, and the film Hibiscus. The music on this was done by Carl Zitterer, and when you look at his filmography, it's pretty remarkable. I had to write it down. Do you ever play the soundtracks over while you're talking to listen to it a little bit, like the theme or the, the mood? And we haven't. We haven't. We haven't mostly because we're very scared of... Oh, right. Of how to use copyright yeah. and shit. <laughs> like slow it down or speed it up or yeah. something. Or put beavis a butt noises. We're in the very uh, lazy and haven't looked up how to properly do that yet. Yeah, but and I, make sure that we don't get in trouble for it. <laughs> no shit. Right? I won't tell. All right. So some of the credits that Carl has, and one that I'll lead off with is because it's a cartoon that I still grew up watching. But 
He was the music editor on the television series Heathcliff in the Cadillac Cats. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Heathcliff, the movie. I like Heathcliff. I, like I used to love watching that. The film The Gate, which we've had okay. plans for for quite some time. He was the supervising music editor on New Jack City, the film Body Parts, Body Snatchers, the film Love Bites. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. The Enemy Within, Don't Be a Menace to South Central, we'll while drinking juice in the hood. Yeah. The film Selena, the film The Substitute Part 3, another horror film. He's got some really cool ones, like Moonstruck, which is another one, Murder by Decree, so he's also worked with Bob Clark in the past. Our special effects, there wasn't necessarily a team. I wrote down a person who actually worked on the special effects props, and that was Warren Keeler. He went uncredited, but I looked at some of his body of work, and he's done such things for films such as Prom Night. He's done a lot of stuff for the television series SCTV in Canada from 76 through to 1980. The film Happy Birthday to Me, which is another like early 80s horror film. The Littlest Hobo for anybody who's listening to Canada. <laughs> that gets mentioned a few times on the Trailer Park Boys. But it's funny because the more that we are doing these Canadian projects, the more you start seeing people actually work on that television show. I mean, I think we see so much crossover on the Canadian projects Can't because, like we've talked about, when you're financed in Canada, oh, yeah. you have to use so many Canadian workers. Oh, really? Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's an interesting thing I'll talk about a little bit later on with Margot Kidder. She mentions And, song. like, you have to have so many Canadian actors and stuff like that. So it kind of ends up making sense because I, I imagine it's not like Hollywood where there's thousands and thousands of people. It's, no, it's, it's Canada. Yeah, it's concentrated. <laughs> You're so getting... you end up with a lot of work, I would imagine. Oh, man. Especially even... in certain time periods. Oh, I can imagine, yeah, because of the taxes and things like that. So, mm. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Warren's also worked on the film JFK. That was the early 90s version. He's done stuff for the Scarlet Letter. I think it was a Demi Moore version. The film Dick, if you've ever seen that. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. We talked about this more recently because of Paul Walker, rest in peace. Right. Uh, but he done some special effects work on the film The Skulls. Oh. He's also done... I never uh, did watch The Skulls. It's not bad, dude. It's got Pacey in it. Who's Joshua that? Jackson. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of Canadian. Pacey. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Pacey. <laughs> no, he's also done special effects work on the film Harvard Man, Jason X, which we've done, and Undercover I Brother. I love Jason X. Yeah, it's I good, man. Jason. Alright, this film was produced by Bob Clark. The production companies on this were Film Funding Limited of Canada, Vision 4, Canadian Film Development Corporation, and famous players they help in cooperation with. And August Films went uncredited as a production company. The distributors were ambassador film distributors for the 1974 Canadian theatrical release. Homebox Office helped with the 1977 USA television premiere. Warner Brothers helped with the 74 USA theatrical release. It was released on October 11th, 1974 in Canada, and here in the States on December 20th of 1974. Its budget was an estimated 620000 I looked and somebody mentioned that if you look at those numbers for today's inflation, it would have came out to be like a $3 million budget. It grossed $4 million, but for inflation it would have grossed around $21 million. So seven times its budget. Not bad. I do have a few taglines. That has a shit ton. I've got three that I wrote down. One of them is, if this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. <laughs> the second one... Is, yeah, no, right. The second one is, this sort of Christmas you don't dream of. And the third one I have is... Instead of I'm dreaming of a white Christmas? Yeah. Black Christmas? 
Uh. <laughs> Have yourself a scary little Christmas. Not at all like the ones you used to know. Oh my gosh. This was released the same year as Texas Chainsaw, is that right? It sure was. Sure was. So, yeah, so that's our people behind the camera. And we start talking about our cast because it is a star-studded cast, believe it or not. Loved it. Yeah, there is somebody else I mean, we're, we're going to mention because of our ties in Montana. Well, I mean, fucking Alex already brought it up. Lois Lane. Lane. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about Margot Kidder, and she plays the character of Barbara Cord in this particular film. And kills it. Mm -hmm. She's one of the best parts of this She's movie. She's great, man. Amazing. As you pointed out, ended up living a good portion of her life here in Montana. Yeah. Just outside Livingston. No way. Yeah. So it's pretty uh, interesting. Died here in Montana. <laughs> yeah, it was just like a few months back, unfortunately. Yeah. Fuck. I kind of wish that I would have realized a lot earlier that she lived in Montana while we started this podcast. I mean, we didn't Because I kind of feel like we could have gotten her on here. Wow. That would have been pretty awesome. <laughs> I kind of feel like she would have been up to it after I've read some other interviews with her and shit. How old was she when she died? 69? Yeah, she wasn't, Young. I don't think she was quite 70, yeah. But yeah, it's unfortunate, but when you look at her filmography, she had some really cool credits, and I'll start off with some of her earlier stuff, but she was in Brian De Palma's film Sisters, which I've actually seen a few times, really good. She was in Superman 1 through 4, that's what Christopher Reeves is, Lois Lane. Was that after Although she's movie? only in like... 30 seconds in number three. Yeah. She's still in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was also in the Amityville Horror, a mm -hmm. horror film, of course. She was a part of the Hitchhiker television series for an episode, I believe. She was also in Tales from the Crypt, one of the episodes from 1992. She was also in Maverick, the film. She went uncredited. She lent her voice as Gaia on Captain Planet and the Planeteers from 1993 through 1996. And she was in Rob Zombie's Halloween Part 2 from 2009. Wow, I have to rewatch that now. Yeah, she I don't remember that. the therapist. I, think, I haven't seen that in a while, so it's, I can't remember exactly. Before I'll we move on, while yeah. we're talking about Margot Kidder, I just want to point out, I'm the right age, where my first memory of Margot Kidder is, unfortunately, when she had her big, massive breakdown that was in the news. Oh, wow. Because oh, I, like, I was like nine when that happened, which is huh. just like, just the right age to be like, being brought over to, like, grandma's house with mom and dad and shit, and they turn on the news while they're sitting there, like, bullshitting with dinner, and, like, one of my first memories of Margot Kidder is when she had her very public manic episode where she went missing for four days oh, shit. and turned up in, like, a cardboard box on Jesus. the street after she, in her manic episode, like, thought that one of her ex-husbands was, like, put a hit out on her... She ended up throwing away her phone at one point because she thought it was a bomb. Or no, not her phone because it would have been 96. But her purse, she threw out her purse because wow. she thought there was a bomb in it in the middle of her manic episode. Like was found with like all the caps on her teeth missing because like a bum tried to rape her and fucking knocked Holy out her shit. caps Jesus as Christ. she was getting away. <laughs> like... She's cracked out in Black Christmas and cracked out in Superman. <laughs> I didn't know she's cracked out in real life. Yeah, no, she... Uh, <laughs> She had a interesting life. Lots of, I don't know if it was a lot, but multiple marriages, like high-profile marriages and divorces, and high-profile, like, boyfriends and breakups and relationships with 
bipolar and manic depressive episodes that went undiagnosed for a long time. Her big breakdown in 96 was after it was diagnosed, I believe, but I'm not positive about that. But, like, dated Richard Pryor at one point, dated former... Was he a former prime minister? Fucking... Not Justin Trudeau, but Trudeau's dad. Oh, really? Wow. Dude, I want to hide. Yeah, he was of Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She dated Trudeau's dad. Wow. (laughs) That's wild. (laughs) Yeah, so she had some high-caliber trysts, so to speak. Wow, I had no idea. And and I think had problems off and on with addiction. I'm not positive about that part of it. (laughs) This film is an indicator, it seems like, you know? (laughs) She seemed out of it, that first scene, but then I think it was all character, because her character was supposed to be... I think she's just that good, but... Yeah, but, I mean, maybe she's owned it to a real-life experience. <laughs> so do you guys not give out spoilers, or... Not, not in, this in this part. Okay, yeah. We'll move on to the second part, and then we'll just talk about whatever the fuck we want okay. to. Yeah, then we're okay, wide yeah. open at that point. Okay. So along with Margot Kidder, like I was mentioning, our lead actress was played by Olivia Hussey, and she plays the character of Jess Bradford. She's hot. She's, yeah, she's mega babe. Thanks. So, when you look at her earlier credits, she was in Romeo and Juliet. She was also in the film Ivanhoe. She was a part of Psycho Part 4. This is the one that blew my mind because I didn't realize this at the time, but she was in It, the 1990 two-part series. She played the wife of, I think it was oh, Bill Denbro? Denbro, yeah. yeah. Yeah, she's Bill Denbro's wife. She was the one that's kind of like catatonic a little bit. Oh, and they ride the bike crazy. at the end. Oh, I mean, I don't know. That's if you haven't seen the second part of the television. Yeah, she's so hot in that movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She just like I said, she's a little catatonic. She was also in the Ice Cream Man, a Clint Howard film, and she was also a part of Boy Meets World television series mm-hmm. in 1997. An episode, as well as did the voice of Talia Al Ghul in the Superman animated I think you're right. and Batman Beyond. Yeah. It's really cool. So she lent her voice to some stuff back mm. in the 90s as well. Really oh, cool. And various voices, I think, in the Rogue Squadron game. Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. which makes total sense. All right. Now, this is the one that really blew my mind because of a particular film. But Kier Dulay, he plays the character of Peter Smith in this film. He goes back, and this is, well, right before I mentioned the big one, but he starred in a film that was actually remade, I didn't realize, but it was The Thin Red Line. And then he went on to do a Stanley Kubrick film as the lead actor of Dave yeah. in 2001, A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow. He actually reprised that role for 2010, the year we made Contact. He's also been in more recent films, The Good Shepherd and Fahrenheit 451, which I thought was really cool. But yeah, it's like, I had no idea he was in this film. <laughs> the next he's actor. Still alive yeah, he's still alive. He's like 82, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I totally recognize him from He was like 38 for this part. I kind of want to find like a recent picture of him because I want to see if he, he still looks, looks pretty so familiar, dude. Striking. Yeah. Like yeah. he's got still a got weird that. like see if he still has an afro. <laughs> he has an afro in this, doesn't he? He's or he's got like, a froey fro. Yeah, he's kind of like that him. 70s mop. Yeah. <laughs> I like those mops. I want a mop. All right, this is an actor we've actually talked about before, but John Saxon plays the character of Lieutenant Kenneth Fuller in yeah. this. Now, we've mentioned him because of our episode on A Nightmare on Elm Street, but, which you were alluding to, he was in Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon. Loved it. You might have seen him also in A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. I mean, he's been in tons of films, a very familiar and recognizable actor, very solid actor. There's a really cool story I'll share in a little while on how he got this part. All right, the next person I have is Marion Waldman. She plays Mrs. McHenry in this film. 
She's done such films as Class of 44, the film Deranged, the film Phobia, A Descent into Terror. This is the house mom? Who was this drunk? is the house mom, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's some really cool stuff about her character, too, I'll mention. She made me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> the next actress I have is Andrew Martin. She plays Phyllis Phil Carlson. She was a part of the SCTV television series from 76 through 1981. You might have seen her in the film Inner Space. She was in Rude Awakening. She was also in the film Bogus. She was more recently in such films as Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which I'm a really big fan of that. And she was a part of My Big Fat Greek Wedding. She did some voice lending and acting in Rugrats from 1992 through 2002. She was a part of the film The Producers. And she was also in Sesame Street, a television series from like 87 all the way through 2011. She made several different appearances. Yeah, that was really cool. The next actor I have is James Edmond. He plays the character of Mr. Harrison. He was in such things as Devil Girl from Mars, and he was also part of the Littlest Hobo television series in 1983 through 1984. Our next actor is Doug McGrath. He plays the character of Sergeant Nash. You might have seen him in such films as Bronco Billy. <laughs> Damn Nash. He was in Porky's. He was also in Twilight Zone, the movie, and the segment Time Out. You might have seen him in Pell Rider, a film I enjoy, and we're talking about her once again, but he was in The Rocketeer, oh. which had Jennifer Connelly in it. He's also in Ghosts of Mars. Yes, which he is. I really like that movie. It's not a good movie, but I really like that movie. Sometimes, man, you gotta... An ice Cube is Desolation Williams. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this a few times. I think it was... It was supposed to be a Snake Plissken movie. It was yeah. supposed to be Escape from Mars. Wait, which character in Black Christmas was he? Oh, he's uh, the, he was a he's like the, the dumbass cop. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the dumbass. <laughs> he's the one that well, gets. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's the one that gets to give he was the great. most iconic line from the movie. F E. He was a total dumb change. Yeah. Oh yeah. F E. New change. There's one other credit I have because of a television series I actually picked up while I was in Canada. But he did make an appearance in the television series Puppets Who Kill, which is a Canadian show. It's great, funny comedy about a halfway home for reformed puppets who were on television shows for kids. Reformed? Yeah, so they're in a halfway house and they're going through their reform. And they're always getting into shit. It's hilarious. Wow. Yeah, I I love it. All right. The next actor I have is Art Hindle. He plays the character of Chris Hayden. He's the boyfriend of Claire in this film. He was in such films as Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You might have seen him in David Cronenberg's The Brood. He had the pimpin jacket. Oh, I was going to say, he's the one that's aggressively Canadian. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) He has the thickest Canadian accent in this movie and is the hockey player. (laughs) Yeah, he had a killer hockey mask in this. Now, you might have also seen him in Porky's 1 and Part 2. He was a part of Friday the 13th, the television series, Canadian, (laughs) which was in 1989. Actually, I think he might have been in the David Cronenberg episode. Mm. He was also in Puppets Who Kill from 2005, and he was more recently in the film The Void. That's really cool. Holy shit, I still haven't watched The Void. It's not bad, dude. I need to rewatch it because of certain films that we've done. I'll probably appreciate it more now. You keep referencing Porky's. Is that the moment they were looking through the wall? Yeah, in the the shower. shower. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So long. So crude. Porky's. It's a good comedy, man. (laughs) What can you say? All right, now I've got a few more actors and actresses. One of them is Lynn Griffin. She plays the character of Claire Harrison in this film. She's been in such films as Curtains, Strange Brew. Canadian film. 
Mm-hmm. She was also in Puppets Who Kill in 2004. She was in the film Dreamhouse, the film's 88. And she was also in Fahrenheit 451. The next actor I have is Michael Rapoport. He plays the character of Patrick Cornell. He was in Hard Bodies, Top of the World, and Miracle Beach. And the last actor I have is Bill Graham. That's the character. He was played by Leslie Carlson. He was in the film Videodrome, The Dead Zone, A Christmas Story. He was in 1986, The Fly. You might have seen him in Friday the 13th, the series in 1989, which I believe was that Cronenberg episode. And he was also in an episode or two of The X-Files back in 1994. Wow. And he was the one who was the uh, phone tap okay, expert. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, right, right. He was okay. kind of a tweaker. <laughs> yeah, I suppose he was. <laughs> but that pretty much rounds out the cast and crew. We gave you a brief synopsis. We should give you some warnings, you know, just in case you're not comfortable with this particular film. Language. I mean, I was going to say, it's mostly language. Uh, there's, there's a little bit of violence. Saran, some violence. Saran wrap. Saran wrap. There's, Whatever that there's a little, <laughs> just a, I mean, a smidge of gore. A smidge. Yeah, smidge of gore. Literally, like, a screenshot of gore. That's what I'm getting at. It's like a, just barely anything. Maybe two? No. Yeah. One. There's prank calls, if you don't like prank calls. Twisted. <laughs> twisted calls, too. Holy shit. Yeah, it's more or less, it's a, a very atmospheric film. It's built upon just a lot of dread and tension for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's very subtle considering it's 74. The most you'll get is like, just some of the crude language. A little bit of violence, but that's pretty much it. I mean, it's very bodies. tame. Yeah. There's some bodies. There's some bodies. No nudity. No. Drinking. Yeah, if you don't like <laughs> sorority girls, sorority girl, yeah, yeah, sorority girls. But it's like not even Canada. like '80s sorority girls. No, if like this 70s. movie was made in the '80s, it's super schlocky. There's no nudity. No, no, exactly. Yeah. No, there's an ass. Oh, okay. So, yeah, barely. there's an ass on a poster. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was thinking oh, when you said that. Actually, <laughs> there's also if you're paying really close attention, you can see some tits in a Playboy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. God, I missed that. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah, I know what scene you're talking about too. There's yeah. some tits in a Playboy, and it looked like one of those pages had something cut out of it, which was you really were funny. right. Could have been a part of the uh, Jack Shack collection. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what What would a chick Jack Shack be called? The Bean Flicker? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you got to make a rhyme like Jack Shack. Yeah, I know that's you're the saying. problem. Wait, a chick's Jack Shack? I've never heard of this concept. <laughs> right? I know they exist. <laughs> yeah, they have to exist. Private right? time. I don't know. We'd have to think of, of a rhyme scheme. Yeah. <laughs> for any of our lady listeners. <laughs> yeah. Please, let, us know. Uh, let us know what the name for a chick Jack Shack is. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You should have a live feed of people to write in. Yeah, no shit. The wank we need to, Yeah, we need to do this like on Instagram or <laughs> yeah. something one of these times. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. But yeah, that's pretty much what this film entails. Like, So we gave you all the good bits. Now we can start giving you some spoiler heavy stuff with how this made us squeal. Woo. God, what's happening to me? God, where am I? Why am I hearing these things? Oh God, what, what's going on? Oh Jesus, come on. Oh my God, what's, what's going on? Where, where am I? Oh gee, why, why? Come on, somebody, somebody. Ah, come on, come on, come on. Come on, somebody. Sir. Somebody, somebody's there. Somebody's got to be there. I will shock you. Come on. Sir. Sir, you must listen to me. Sir, I only have one question. How does that make you squeal? All right, we're back with How It Made Us Squeal. Yes. 
and we could actually talk about this movie and not just all these assholes that went into it. Even though we're <laughs> super impressed by this fucking cast, to be honest. Like, everybody did a super job in this movie, so... Yeah, um, for sure, man. I want to start off this section with something that I felt like probably should have been in the last section, but I wasn't paying attention to my notes. There are some kind of funny other titles that this movie was released under. Oh, I kind of want to yeah, put this out there. Yeah, let's hear it. In most of the Spanish-speaking world, I guess not all of these are really funny. Like, this one isn't that bad. It's most of the Spanish-speaking world, this was released as uh, The Macabre Residence. Nice. Mm. Very metal. Brazil, it was simply Horror Night. Horror Night would be better. Uh, Horror Germany, night. <laughs> Germany, I don't get this one. It was Jesse, The Stairs to Death. Huh. They're trying to be very literal, <laughs> I suppose. Uh, Denmark was A Killer in Your House. Hmm. Works. I'm going to save this one for last, because I think that one might be the best one. <laughs> in Sweden, it was Still Night, Bloody Night. Okay. Norway, it was It's the Killer Who Is Calling. Alright. <laughs> this is the best one. Greece. Who is the killer? Terror in girls' school. Hysteria. Oh my gosh. Those so might be three different titles that I'm just reading as one long title, but I still love it. Who is the killer? Terror in the girls' school. Hysteria. <laughs> Jesus. I think That's those funny. are three different titles, but... Yeah, the working title on this, too, was Stop Me until Bob Clark got a hold of it and from what I understand, too, is like he had to kind of rewrite some of the script to introduce some of those comedy elements. And then, you know, after looking at a lot of his film credits, you're like, oh, oh yeah, no for wonder. sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so there's some really cool stuff. This we'll movie is really funny at times. It is. It really yeah. is. And it was done intentionally, yeah, of course, to kind of lighten the mood a little bit, throw you off a little bit. But even so, it still it doesn't distract from the film. I think one of the video releases of this was also entitled Silent Night, Evil Night. Yeah. Ooh. Which they released like around the same time as Silent Night, Deadly Night to confuse the market. Yeah, it didn't work too well because it didn't get the reception that I think it was Warner Brothers, I think, who wanted to change it. There's a couple things they wanted to change kind of last minute. So they changed that. They didn't want to give the impression that it was a dark Christmas film, you know, for whatever reasons. And they thought that title would work. It didn't. Okay. It didn't. So they switched it back. But still, it's like, ah, stupid. Yeah, so I guess maybe we can ask you, because you said, and I know you did too, Tyler, that this was both your first times watching this. Yeah. Yeah, except I realized during my first watching that I've seen at least the last 20 minutes of this before. Nice. Hmm. I don't know when I saw it. Probably was some, you know, fucking movie marathon that was going on on TV back in the day. Yeah, for sure. But I've seen at least the last 20 minutes of this before because I was kind of able to tune out and know exactly what happened. Nice. Dude, the first 15 seconds of the movie was fucked up. Zooming in on a house with the Christmas music. Yeah. And it was kind of mm-hmm. off balance, wasn't it, the camera? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're giving you a, a POV shot. Oh. Which really... For... Silent Night, were they singing? You know, like yeah, it might be. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what, but yeah, I know what you're saying. It was a fantastic intro. I was immediately hooked. What I think that does, too, is it helps establish a couple of things. It helps establish that this sorority home is one of the major focal points in this film. And, two, like, you're getting that POV, so you don't necessarily know whose lens you're watching it through at first. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, it actually helps set up the characters. But don't you get, and... like, the heavy breathing, too, so you know yeah. it's like... Yeah. You generally, like, heavy get, breathing like, is like, Myers, oh, pervo. Yeah. It wasn't Michael Myers, but... It... Similar. Yeah, exactly. Which is really interesting you bring that up. Yeah. 
I think he had gross hands. Didn't they show his hands a couple times? They were kind of stubby and pink and long. So I made a note of his hands, actually, because I thought that was the (laughs) one. I didn't think his hands, his actual hands were funny, but they show a lot of point of view shots throughout the movie. And I laughed every time he actually did something in the point of view shots because you could tell that they were having to use, like, old school cameras. Yeah, for sure. Because his arms weren't moving in a natural way. Like, if you went to push something, it looks nothing like what you saw those hands doing. Yeah. And it's because he had to put them out in front of a camera and do shit in front of a lens. It's kind of awkward. Like, (laughs) and so when he pushes stuff, his arms are almost completely out and he's just sort of like, eh. Yeah. Eh. (laughs) (laughs) While he's fucking raging in the attic. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, too. You mentioned they didn't have Steadicam. To use at that time, so oh. a lot of it was just rigging it from the shoulder, you know, and getting that POV from there. So yeah, you got this clunky ass camera where you're trying to keep steady for the most part. But then you down. have to make sure your hand gets shown. Yeah, so. so he's probably holding on to that bastard, looking down from the attic, right down yeah. those girls. So there's a lot of, as far as establishing shots and just those POV shots, it was pretty creative and it didn't feel too disjointed, you know what I mean? I mean, you feel like you're experiencing whatever the killer is experiencing from his point of view. Made me restless. I was really agitated watching it. So what pulled me in right away is as soon as they got in the party, it seemed like everybody was just fucking sloshed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Dude, that part, they were gone. I think the second... It wasn't even like the fun part of the party anymore. It was like the end of the night when everyone's too drunk to move. Yeah. (laughs) There is a line that one guy says, I didn't really pay attention to it the first time through, but the second time through because I knew who he was at this point. I think it was one of the boyfriends of the girls. He was sitting on the couch. You tell he's kind of fucked up. Yeah, the guy with the afro. Yeah, he wasn't really feeling the fact that he was going to have to play Santa (laughs) the next day for those kids. Yeah. Him playing Santa was one of the best parts. It was so good. Yeah, that was funny too. Yeah, that's what I was getting. He's like, oh, Oh, that's who that was. fuck. He didn't get murdered, did he? (laughs) No. No. I was kind of hoping he (laughs) would. Yeah, so one thing that really, upon watching it for the you know for our review, was the vulgarity of the first phone call they get because you know it's like oh we got the moaner on the phone, Ugh. and then Margot Kidder's character takes the call and it just I was like wow this is like super filthy. So that made me think of something. Do you think that the fact that hardly anybody has landlines anymore has made life and sororities a lot more tolerable? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. My all, parents all still have one, but... All it took know. was somebody knowing that number. Under sorority's got those fucking calls all the time. Oh, yeah, right? I would imagine so. Yeah. Moaners? Yeah. <laughs> they had to have, right? And I, yeah, that I guy just... was far from a moaner, though. He was like five conversations in one... Yeah, day. oh, yeah. Once you start to get the idea of maybe like the psychosis of that character a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, this dude's totally bonkers. The initial impression they give you is that he's just could be a perv on the phone. So, like, all the five conversations at once on the phone, plus, I mean, this is the spoiler section, so, plus the fact that they basically set it up to be Peter the entire yeah, time. Yeah, And I hadn't, until I was 20 minutes from the end, I hadn't seen any of this before. I started wondering if this was where Scream got the idea for Two Killers. Hmm. You know, that's, that's a really good point, because reading some of the trivia on this film, it talked about, like, some of the parallels that you're mentioning right now with Scream is, like, you know, they're spoofing, or at least satirizing the tropes in horror films, you know. Well, and Scream especially, because Scream has a lot to do with the phone. That's what I'm getting at, yeah. So didn't each phone call get worse and worse and worse and longer and creepier, more They disturbing? got longer and longer, for sure. 
Exactly. Especially because it was the fact that the longest one happened at the end was what allowed them to find out yeah. that. I think that it, it was disturbing in terms of what you actually hear, not necessarily what he says per yeah. se. It's more or less, you know, having those five conversations in one and you're like, what the fuck is yeah. going on? It's not the vulgarity that I think the first call that you get to hear, you know, where he's talking about, you know, my thick juicy cock and yeah that's right i was about to say that first one was basically him just saying cunt 50 times yeah Yeah. (laughs) well here's something that was cool too was with that scene and this is like watching some behind the scenes stuff is while they're filming it you know the actresses they say what they're hearing during filming is just a bunch of nothing right just blah 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 but in post-production that's where bob clark and nick mancuso and a couple other guys put all that stuff in and there's some really interesting things with Mancuso who does the voice of the Billy character apparently he like he stood upside down so that would like shrink his thorax so he can get like these gruntled kind of raspy voices and shit yeah so it was really cool and there's some overdubbing they do of certain lines to give you that impression about Peter Mm -hmm. so yeah there was some really cool stuff they did post-production as well those phone calls fuck me up man they're twisted they're good dude I couldn't figure them out I couldn't figure out if he was arguing with himself or and that's what I like, too, is you know that the person's in the house, but you don't know their motives. You don't know anything about them. You hardly ever see them. And when you do, it's usually the silhouette, like you were saying a little bit with Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. It's more or less just a shape. And that's about all you know. You just know as a very disturbed person, and you don't know anything else outside of that. I kept thinking there was going to be a stereotype where he was going to be a big, strong, powerful slasher. Yeah. And I also thought there was going to be pillow fights. <laughs> there <laughs> you were no pillow fights. fights on both of them. So I was kind of kept hoping and hoping and hoping for pillow fights, and finally I gave yeah, up no on pillow that. fights. Yeah, no. This isn't an 80s sorority movie. No, it's no. not. There would have been a pillow fight. And their tops would have fallen off. Yeah. <laughs> and there would have been, like, some really... Nipples.com. ...sensual wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> and pecking. Impossible. And then it would have just cut to a different scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get the under boob and then it would cut out. Mm-hmm. Like, no, a lot of that too, as Bob Clark said, he wanted to make his film with these actresses not feel like they were ditzy teenagers. He's like, yeah. for that time period, he's like, you know, a lot of college students, they were very astute. So he wanted them to portray that. We wanted you to feel like these are real college students, not just, you know, bimbos and, you know, ditzes. So. Yeah, and it owes a lot to that. Mm-hmm. You, of course, make them feel like real college students by casting a 38-year-old in the role of Peter. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this. There's a lot of roles in this film that were initially offered to other actors who turned them down. I bet, yeah. He was one of them. Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, Malcolm McDowell. Which would have been amazing. What the Turned it down. Fuck? Sure did. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, wow, that would have been a completely different... I would imagine take. It still would have been cool, but... Peter's meltdown when, on the piano. Yeah. I couldn't believe that, man. Such a nice <laughs> piano. Yeah. He's like, fuck it. Thrashing this bitch. Gilda Radner? Yeah. Gilda Radner would have been Phyllis, but she had obligations to Saturday Night Live during that time period, so she had to back out like a month prior to filming. Huh. Yeah. She, Bette Davis, actually was yeah. offered the role of Miss McHenry, the drunk house mother. That so, would have been hilarious. Yeah, and one that's kind of sad, actually, is the reason that John Saxon got the role is because of Zitter. They worked on a film previously, so initially the role was played by an actor named Edmund O'Brien, and he won an Oscar and a Golden Globe for a film in the 50s. I can't remember the exact title. I got it written down, but the point was is when they brought him to the airport in Toronto, they said when they first met him at the airport, he was confused. Like He didn't know where he was at. 
They got him to the hotel room, and he didn't know if he was in Chicago or Montreal or Toronto. So they thought maybe it was just jet lag or just, you know, he's coming in late. He's just disoriented. They said it wasn't until they got him on set when he was doing lines, like he would remember certain things, but then he'd forget where he was at and what he was doing. And they realized that he had onset Alzheimer's. Yeah. And he was forgetting shit. Yeah, he was forgetting stuff. And they knew it. Like Bob Clark, he said they probably could have fudged it enough to where it would have been believable. But it was just, you can't do that to somebody, you know, especially in that condition. So they were looking for another actor. Like I said, Zitter, he had worked with John Saxon on a prior film. And so they called him up and he took like the part, I think two days before shooting. Like he got the script, he read it, he liked it. Damn. They flew him up, and the first scene that he shot was actually during that search party where he's on the bullhorn. He said, you know, that was like two days after landing in Toronto and reading the script, and that was the first day of shooting for him. Holy shit. That's amazing that that's one of his first scenes, because that was one of the scenes, even though it comes pretty late, in the, not super late in the it's movie, about halfway but or so. a little bit past halfway, it was one of the ones that sort of locked in the realistic feel of this movie. Yeah. Just because he had that sort of throwaway line where he's talking to the dude on the fucking sled. Yeah. And he's like, it's perfect. don't go over 10 realistic. miles per hour or else you're useless yeah. to us. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, the fumes will throw the dogs off. So it's like a real, like you said, a real authentic moment. Yeah. So you feel like, you know, you're not just focusing on that sorority and those characters. There's something a little bit larger outside of that within that town. And almost like his having to reassure the people, like, we're just going to take a walk through the park. You're yeah. Like, Get behind and walk. We're going to look. Exactly. And the two murders were separate, right? Well, I mean, there's some ambiguity there that you're not quite sure. I have to jump the gun here. No, no, I mean... There was a child that was found in the park. Well, there was also a rape in town, too, that they mentioned as well. Wow. So you don't know if they're necessarily related. If this was in the age of cell phones, I would say that they're for sure related, and that that's where you heard some of the other shit that was going on on the phone was that he was calling him while he was committing those other crimes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, it sounded like it. But I don't know how much that holds up if he would have been having to hold up a landline. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, maybe he could have just been dumping the body in the park, but I kind of feel like, especially in the case of the teenager, Mm -hmm. like she was last seen going into the park, that's where they found her. I think it all just happened there, and he didn't have a phone there to do that, so... Yeah, it's interesting though. But I mean, maybe that other rape, perhaps, was we, maybe we caught some of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. we know what you and Billy did, Agnes. <laughs> I really didn't think it was Peter, even though the director I think was trying to try yeah. to convince you a little bit that it was. Yeah, throw you like yeah, throw you off. You think there? Oh, there's a twist. It was one of the boyfriends. I didn't care. I hoped it was Peter. Fuck Peter. Peter was a dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was nervous what he was gonna do about the baby. I'll give him one thing, to like. I'm not saying that what he did, his actions are, you know, you, you can't laud them, but she drops a news on him on a very big day for him. She could have waited till after the recital. And then he fucked up the whole recital, right? Yeah. I think he fucked audition up audition or whatever it was. He fucked up the recital himself, though, because he, even before <laughs> she dropped the news, he yeah. already told her that he was freaking out to the point that he hadn't slept for three days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. His actions, like I said, can't defend what he does. But no, that, that was the funny thing. When I was looking up shit online, and they kept, whenever people would point out, you know, like, 
she accidentally kills him in the end, thinking that he's the killer, trying to do it, you know, kills him in self-defense with a poker. And all of it was like, oh, poor Peter. I'm like, oh, fuck Peter. He's an yeah. asshole. He didn't deserve to be killed, but mm-hmm. he's an asshole. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. He's really an asshole. Yeah, he did. He made insinuations that it wasn't going to be pretty. And that was after he broke into the place when she wouldn't answer. Yeah, exactly. So he was being psychotic. Yeah. You know, he was losing his shit. He said that he was leaving school and that they were going to marry. <laughs> yeah, that oh, yeah, that right. made me laugh, too. I was, I was like, wow. oh, shit. Like, you're lucky she's not kicking your ass right now for just not actually proposing. Yeah, for real. What's <laughs> up with that? He's telling her. Right. Yeah, you're going to marry happen? me. We're going to get married. Yeah. I'm going to have to wait in line behind six dudes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was hot. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, there was stuff like that. But, yeah, even after he gets murdered and stuff like that, you still don't feel like there's closure. Like, no, No. it's not that simple. Especially the eye. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. There's some really cool stuff about that, too, because there were certain people who were unsure of whose eye that was during that scene. And some people Mm -hmm. thought it might have been Kier, the guy who played Peter. Some thought it might have been Bob Clark. I even think it was the guy who was doing the POV shots. They thought maybe it was him, but it's still kind of like, they're not quite sure whose eyeball that was. Wasn't it excessively kind of pulled open? It seemed like it was almost pushed yeah. against something. So, I mean, it's it's a very iconic shot, too. If he would have been cast and it was excessively pulled open, we all know it would have been Malcolm McDowell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It would have been perfect. Maybe that was the whole idea. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. I'm going to jump around back, no, to that's the, fine. back to the beginning a little bit there. Was the present of the fucking nightgown supposed to be a joke? Like, all the girls sort of seemed like they actually thought that she would like it. Sexy time? Yeah. The long? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, what was it, Mrs. Mac? What was it? Yeah. Miss Mac? Miss Mac. She was immediately, like, her face, I fucking cracked up because she was just <laughs> looked at it like, oh, God. Because that's how I looked at it, like, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> but they all were, the girls yeah. kind of genuinely... How genuine were they being? How much of a joke was that supposed to be? I, yeah. I mean, obviously it's supposed to be a joke for us, mm-hmm. but like, in-universe. I know you're saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you can make a plausible argument for either side. But they were they were excited about her putting that shit on. Come on, put it on. This is the, gal, the first gal that got murdered. Uh, no, we're talking about Mrs. Mack, like when they gave her the gown, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, the okay. present when she comes in in the beginning, and okay, right. they're having the party and shit, and they're like, oh, put it on, we all got you something. Yeah. And it's that fucking and that's when horrendous learn... floral print nightgown. Okay, right, yeah. <laughs> and that's when you learn, like said, she has all those hidden stashes of booze, which is also a great gag in this film. That was my next question. I love great that. gag. Love the gag. But... <laughs> Like, don't you have those stashes for when people take away your booze? Not just... Yeah. Like, why doesn't she just have a hip, hip flask? Like, she's a grown woman. Dude, it's, it's like not a... easy to cut out those book things that she had. No, By no. the way, it, it takes a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I know the water in the back of a toilet is clean, but there's something that still feels really skeevy about immediately just putting your lips on that shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess her excuse says, I just brush my teeth. So. <laughs> I was like, fucking Kesha, fucking brush her oh. teeth with a bottle, Jack. That's what she did, man. Yeah, she had some really funny stashes. She was, was hiding that from her parents? or I was just a house mother just hiding, I guess hiding the fact that she's an alcoholic in front of the girls. Like hiding the girls. herself or something. Oh my god. She, how many other stashes? So there was the toilet stash. There was the toilet one. The book, the book stash. She had one in the coat closet. Right. In a shoebox or something. Right. I knew that there was at least one other one. So there's that and I'm not sure if she... 
Did she happen to notice what the book was? Was it a was all it a she Bible? says was B for B booze. For booze. It could have been like a, an encyclopedia or mm-hmm. you know. I do remember that it looked completely and utterly different than every other book that was on that shelf. Yeah, B for like booze. all the other ones looked kind of like old and untouched, like they were old encyclopedias, and that one was like dust free. It was big and black, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I just I thought that shit was funny. Her lines are pretty good too. When she's talking to the cat, from yeah. causing her to do things. Oh my god! You I wanted prick. Claude. Oh my god! Claude was so so fluffy. Claude, yeah, the, like two scenes that you actually get to see him when he's not just running away from the mall. I had read that they put catnip on the actress who played Claire when she had the bag on. Yeah, like on that bag in order to get it to come up and get, do yeah, that. and lick her face oh, and shit. Okay. Yeah, so there's a few things like that they kept. They enticed the cat a little bit. Yeah, some of that stuff is, is interesting, too. The actress who played Claire, she was apparently a swimmer at that time, too. So, I mean, she talked about how you know, they either put, like, two holes in her nose in the back, mm. or she would, like, already have it sucked into her mouth and just put a hole so where she could breathe out her mouth. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so she talked about it. There was some really cool stuff I saw on YouTube. There's a like, a, a making of featurette. It's really oh, cool. Oh, shit. Yeah. I thought that was one of the neatest things about this movie was that there was that constant tension of at any moment somebody could find oh yeah what's going on because mm-hmm. it's right there in the She's house in the f- with them well the first growl is in the windowsill the whole time too you just look up yeah. in the <laughs> rocking chair the window. like what the fuck i thought they were gonna smell something like what is that upstairs that's so yeah end of this movie i was like coochie <laughs> <laughs> that could have been a normal smell right <laughs> end of this movie ends ambiguous we don't know What's going to happen to Jess? Exactly. Whatever. I mean, I'm going to say it's at most like six hours at this point. How much longer do you think it is until the killer is found after the end of the movie? If they're found at all. Somebody's going to start smelling those bodies. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, how long is he going to hang out in the house, though? Right. He could, I mean, But the cops are still hanging out, too, yeah, just right outside. So it's not like he can just leave. He was doing a summer of 84 thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he was doing. Because I'm like, either something starts smelling, yeah, or there's just too many. He then kills Jess, and then the cops go to check in one last time before they head back to the station or whatever. Yeah, and she obviously is dead now. Exactly. So they do a more thorough sweep of the house, which honestly, at some point, somebody should have probably checked the attic anyway. But yeah, but they're like, ain't nobody going up there. (laughs) Ain't nobody going up there. Which is kind of funny when you think of certain films that we've seen this year that involve attics. Nobody goes up there. Yeah, well, not yeah. like that. It's like... Hereditary and the attic. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen, seen it yet. yet. I, oh, I can't shit. say a whole lot. Balls. Yeah. Sorry. Coochie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there soon. I know, right? But yeah, it just goes to show, like, sometimes you got to do the thorough sweeps, even places you don't want to go. You know what? The first few times, I kind of understood it, because not much was going on, but at a certain point, enough shit was going on involving that house that you think one of the cops... Not Nash, obviously. Oh, no. <laughs> but one God of them would damn. have been like, maybe we should poke our head up here. Maybe they're just You never hiding. know. Maybe uh, she's in the middle of a manic episode and is hiding out in a fucking cardboard maybe box that's, up here. Well, I was going to say, maybe that's where the flick bean shack is at. <laughs> I mean, the first gal that got murdered, wasn't her room right next to the... It's pretty close. So, like, he, yeah, he, like, he took her up there yeah. after he killed her, so he wasn't too far from that. He must have been pretty strong. That's not easy to carry. No, I mean, I've never done it, but... <laughs> I mean, realistically that we know yeah carrying a body up 
But yeah, I mean, that takes, I mean, she wasn't like a heavy girl by any stretch of imagination, but still, I mean, you're right. That's a little bit of a load to take upstairs without making a bit much of fucking noise. Yeah. That kind of threw me off too a little bit is there's a sequence. I think it's after he kills Margot Kidder's character and then he starts thrashing around in the Mm -hmm. attic, like destroying shit. It's like, how the fuck did not anybody hear that? Phyllis went to bed. She was having a tantrum or or something, right? Yeah. He had a little temper tantrum. And during at least one of his tantrums, Peter's in the house, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he makes the call from inside the house, either after a tantrum or it doesn't matter because he's making a shit ton of noise on that phone call. Too much noise, yeah. And Jess is just downstairs and Peter is somewhere in between. Yeah, mid-level. And doesn't hear him. We know there's doing two lines. Like five yeah. voices. We know there's two lines in the house. What was the other one for the house mother? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so I mean, it was a pretty decent size yeah. sorority. It was a sorority house. Yeah, but that noise still would have carried. Oh, absolutely. Especially when you're doing five voices. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's not that great of a ventriloquist, but yeah, I, I did like that part. I was, I, I totally forgot that. Like this guy either had multiple personality disorder or something. I was like, God damn, that I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. Couldn't tell what he was doing. No, exactly. And that gives that ambiguity. It's like, you don't know what this person, like, what their makeup is. You just know he's in the house, he's deranged, and he's picking these girls off. There had to have been two numbers. Because there was the normal number, and then there was the one that was fellatio 288. What did you think of that one? Oh, my God. I I liked her expression, like, when... uh, When she realized... It's like, she's got this motherfucker. Yeah. Fellatio. She had... She got a kick out of a lot of that stuff, I'd imagine. The way his expression first changed was, <laughs> I thought that he got it and he was going to be like, now come on. Yeah, me too, yeah. Or I thought he was going to kick his own line, like, come on, give it to me. No, no. Like, <laughs> well, he does mention later on that she gave it to him. Yeah, that was fucking <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> she gave, yeah, Felicia. she gave it to me here in the... <laughs> Actually, I read about that. Do you guys know anything about what they mean by the exchange? Like, like the she said it was a new exchange. exchange. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, they said that they would give the first two <clears throat> numbers... Like a character, right? So this one being the F-E, Felicia, yeah, yeah. it would have been known as 3-3. Because on a rotary phone, those letters would have been oh, on F-E. the 3. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, so I was like, I wondered about that because the guy who played Chris, I think his name was Art Hindle, they were talking about that scene. And he said, yeah, back in the 70s, ours was H-O. And it would have been like 4-6 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I know, it made me wonder, like, what the fuck? I, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, and then I saw some stuff pertaining to it with the rotary phone specifically. And was the phone a rotary phone that she kept? Yeah, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. it was. Yeah, because okay. they they zoomed in on it a couple times. Yeah, so yeah. it makes sense because it's one of those technologies that we don't really use anymore, especially a yeah, rotary phone. Especially phones involving switchboards. Oh my god, yeah, I like that too. That was really awesome. It wasn't like the super old no, 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 switchboard. Exactly. It was like the in between one, but exactly. it wasn't like what we deal with. That was tense, and he was running around looking for it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he was looking for—the movement or well, there was is that it's still mechanical. called a switchboard at that point. Or is yeah, it... it's to an extent it is. Yeah. So they can tell, I guess, by certain lines. I guess the way they got them set up, it'll ping back to them mechanically, so they can kind of trace it to the original call, like who's on the line. Yeah. They can see where they're at and then see how things are clicking that was cool. in those devices and, and time them. And that's how they kind of figure that stuff out. Because it's like, man, that's that's a technology that you kind of take for granted in films like this because it is a bygone era. Yeah. So it's like super confusing unless you do some of the research or if you know somebody who, who was around during that time period. Yeah, it's it's boss. But 
it goes to show, like, that shit would have took fucking forever tracing a call. I felt so bad for her that she had to keep him on the line. It, so brilliant, though. It, yeah. it totally is. They're using that technology to their advantage in this film. It's uh, helping up the tension. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it did. Which is clever, you're right. He's absolutely clever. Who would have thunk it? Yeah. You know? Even more so than the CB radio a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I mean, we've been, about, we've been hitting all that? old school technologies. Oh, we did a joyride. Yeah, joyride. Oh, okay, dude. Candy cane. Yeah, we've got CB handles now. <laughs> Just yeah, no way. Yeah, I'm a squirmy T. That's fried D. Fried D? Yeah. No way. <laughs> if you can come up with one, you got you that one. might be Donkey D. <laughs> Donkey, Donkey D. D. <laughs> <laughs> Looking for candy cane. Looking yeah. for candy cane. <laughs> yeah, so one thing too, and this is another part of the film that gets talked about, especially on our podcast a lot, is the score in this and the use of the piano piece, right? Zitter talked about how he actually tied up forks and knives and spoons and shit like that to the keys of the piano mm. to give you this dissonance and this shortened sound during certain scenes, you know, to rack it up the tension. So uh, It worked on me. Yeah, I mean, the score, it's... It's not something that like necessarily stands out because it's you know spanning the entire film, but the moments that it does kick in, you're right, it ratchets up the tension, the fear that these characters have. It really sets the atmosphere. So, I mean, it's a good use of that. Funnily enough, I've had to listen to pieces before <laughs> where people did that to their pianos. That's pretty cool. I, at one point, was a music education major. No shit, And huh? during one of my history of music courses, as we were moving through the entire history of Western classical music. As we got up to the 20th century, there was a few different avant-garde 20th century composers that would do things like, uh, basically like just what you said, like replace the hammers with like spoons and like forks and things that aren't hammers basically. And then like detune some of the strings. And then these guys were avant-garde, so they wouldn't come up with like compositions for that instrument they would use it to, like, make a commentary by playing, like, a classical piece that everyone knows, but with this fucked-up piano. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Have yeah. you guys ever seen the movie The Changeling? Or, or I have. About it. It's been a long time, it's yeah. Been, the piano's a big piece in that, plus the, all the camera angles <sighs> and the attic. I'm try- I can't remember the lead actor's name in that. George yeah. C. Scott? Or? Yeah, it is Scott. Yeah, yeah it sure is. It's a yeah. great film. 70s, early 70s? I think. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It's one I haven't seen in probably over a decade, but I'm familiar with it, yeah. We ate some mushrooms and actually watched that in college, and it was <laughs> fucked up, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a fucking crazy I movie. I couldn't stop laughing when my friends were just tripping balls. <laughs> 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 Did you think that it was the movie was suddenly about taking mushrooms? Ah. Oh. The Changeling. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing I used to do when I'd watch scary movies with friends is I would play with the blinds with my hand. <laughs> and, and reach out and do like you're creating atmosphere <laughs> and this friend of mine got really pissed he told me to stop doing that or he'd break my arm oh Jesus he was pissed we were watching the Blair Witch and he's just like stop doing that I told you to fucking stop I'm like, it's okay, like you chill man it's like the old school with like the tingler and the fucking <laughs> yeah. theaters and shit that's pretty funny dude <laughs> it, you know it's just like Alex the things. tingler <laughs> A to the T. It's like I always open a window when I watch a scary movie with a friend or a date or someone, you know. It's just a colder room makes it better. Right. Oh, that's pretty fun. <laughs> that's funny. And then you have some of that three-day turtle sex. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Do you know the species of turtle she was talking about? I don't. 
Although I did know that that was real. It is real. It's yeah. totally real. So during the dinner scene, right. uh, Margaret Kidder, she brings up the fact that there's a species just of turtle that flushed for three days. Fucking yeah. shit-faced so Margaret Kidder. <laughs> She's lucky if she gets three minutes. So. That's right. She went and watched the zebras because they take 30 seconds. Premature ejaculation. <laughs> oh, man. that's Well, it, also during that scene, too, that's the scene where she has that Playboy magazine. Yep. When she's laying back on the couch, she's reading a Playboy. Yeah, she's kind of like, she's spread a little bit, and she's got the magazine. And then does she go upstairs oh, and pass out? She's not reading the Playboy, she's looking she's like at the poking, Yeah, she's like poking at it, too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like, during that scene, she talks about the turtle sex. That turtle that she's talking about is a sea turtle. So sea turtles fuck for three days. Three days straight. Straight, yeah. Wow. That's like what Sting. <laughs> yeah. Tantra, oh, baby. Shit. It's tantric. <laughs> Penetration for three days? Like Gordon Sumner himself. Man, I would need an IV. I tell you, one of the funniest things I have ever seen and probably ever heard is it might be tortoises. It could be just the basic land turtle, but the, the sounds of tortoise sex. Like their O faces. That's, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what they sound like. <laughs> yeah, that's almost. That's really close. <laughs> it's fucked that's up, really man. Close. <laughs> it is. Oh my god. Yeah, and uh, I've seen it with Chris Martin Coldplay. They're like overlapping a certain part of a song where he like he's hitting those notes, but they're using that turtle to do it. Three day turtle sex. Yeah, it's pretty good, David. So yeah, she's talking about turtles. One scene I thought too, this gets back to the guy who's playing the Santa Claus with the big fro. Yeah, oh, yeah. I liked him. Is Margo like, Kidder, she's like giving that Jew kid. She's, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I think mean, the, the woman who played his girlfriend in that, is she a little bit Jewish? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty yeah. obvious, but. The point I'm making is, is that little kid she's giving the booze to? She's like, oh yeah, he snookered <laughs> about that. Yeah, okay. And the dad, the poor dad's there. The the dad who's looking for his daughter who never. I showed liked up. him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So he's experiencing like, and I guess if according to him, it would probably be like debauchery and just like. I'm surprised <laughs> by how much I liked him by the end of the movie for like how uptight he was. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You totally fell for him. Which, you know, that's what I like, too, about this film a lot, is you actually feel for these characters. They're totally believable. Yeah. And for a low-budget film with this caliber of acting, I mean, you got to give your hats off to the people who, uh, who made this film. So, in some ways, we should have mentioned this movie a long-ass time ago. Oh, no kidding, right? Back, God, what was it? Just, like, 14 weeks in or something like that was when we did our slasher run. No kidding, right? And we decided back then to start with Halloween. Yeah, I mean... I mean which I think is still the right choice. Now, considering uh, the films that we did, yeah. And considering how modern slashers evolved, Halloween is really what coded everything. Oh, yeah. And, like, the final girl. Like, there's a final girl in this, but it doesn't really follow the same format that everything mm -hmm. after Halloween did. But this is one of the first slashers in the form that we recognize slashers today. Oh, and no doubt. Like, when you watch this movie, it still feels like a slasher. Mm -hmm. But I think in a lot of ways, this movie's a lot better than some of the movies that came out even... Oh, man. Not, I'm, I mean, and I'm not talking about, like, the bad slasher sequels. I'm talking even just, like, six years later or something. Because all of those movies were trying to be Halloween. Yeah. And this one was just like... No, this is the same idea, but we're not going to make sure that you have a final girl that does this and this. We're yeah, not going to exactly. make sure that the killer hits all these beats. We're just telling a story that happens to be a lot like those. Yeah, which is really cool in that regard, is if you look at some of the films leading up to Black Christmas in the sense of what could be considered a slasher, right? 
Psycho. Psycho is definitely on there, yeah. and Peeping Tom, which oh, yeah. probably introduced the POV shot. Actually, Wait, I mean, that's that a really great a movie. It's a great film, dude. Uh, yeah, it's like this. Getting amateur, us over that Peeping Tom foolery. Yeah, yeah, it's about this like amateur. Um, it's actually really creepy. Yeah, filmographer just, who he invites these women back, and you know, to his pad or whatever, and he likes to. He takes these very voyeuristic shots while he's filming them up close, and then he starts stabbing them. And what he's trying to get is their reaction to the death. He wants to see that moment when you kill somebody, once somebody dies, like what that transition looks like on film and just in general. So that's the whole point of that film, and he's doing it from a POV shot. And it came out the same year as Psycho, in 1960. Uh, it's pretty fucking creepy. It's a really good film. It's a part of. There's a reason why it's in the Criterion Collection. Yeah. And then there's a Bay of Blood. Is another Ooh, film. Wait. You know what else is in the Criterion Collection? Oh, uh, well, there's there's some films. The Rock. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Michael Bay's The Rock is in the Criterion Collection, I believe. Yeah. And the title, <laughs> Peeping Tom. Yeah, Peeping Tom's really That'd be good. the worst email address. <laughs> Peeping Tom. Yes, can I be on your email list? Oh, sure, it's peepingtom at gmail. Uh, all one word, lowercase. <laughs> we, hey, we all know that Peeping Tom still uses hot. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> or AOL, like my dad used. I was like, in our case, probably AOL. You have peeps. That's our aim handle. Yeah. College club. ASL. Peeping <laughs> Tom. So, yeah, so some of those films leading up, what I was getting at, leading up to this film had certain elements, right, of the proto slasher, what gave rise to things like John Carpenter's Halloween, right? Now, something I read too, and this is it's kind of been demystified, has also been kind of argued for both, but. From what I understand is John Carpenter approached Bob Clark about this film. Like, he enjoyed it a lot. Halloween was originally developed to be a sequel, right? Well, that's kind of what the argument is. Yeah, Yeah, he asked Clark if he had intentions to a sequel to this film, and he said no. And apparently, you're right, there was like some loose talk about if there was, what would it entail? It's like, well, it would have been on Halloween. Like, that's where it would have started. And he used some of the elements of this film to give that. Like, he used it in his own interpretation. Makes um, sense. Which is kind of cool, too. He got influenced from this film, and we've talked about Suspiria with the score. Like, his score for Halloween, that's John Carpenter, was inspired because of Goblin's score. It's Suspiria. Which I think is very... When you listen to the two scores back-to-back, it's pretty evident, but... But, I mean, it just goes to show, like, Carpenter's Halloween, you can't argue that. It's what the Friday the 13th and Child's Play and all that stuff we did during our slasher run, what that film inspired all these other films to come. But if it wasn't for films like this and the other ones I just mentioned, you wouldn't have Halloween and all these other films as well. So this one probably gets overlooked for the simple fact that it doesn't really necessarily get lumped in with those other films, even though it's probably like a Godfather. I'm honestly not sure why either after watching it. It I think too. Is, it's definitely a cult classic. It certainly is at this people point. People bring it up. Not enough people not bring nearly it up. Enough. Not nearly enough. Not should be an movie. It yeah. should be. For all it's, days. it's yep. not. I mean, yeah. It's it should be one for this time of year. But I also feel like you can watch this film any time of year. It doesn't necessarily have to be around Christmas or the holiday season. It just holds a lot of weight. You yeah. know. I think it's ambiguous enough, especially the ending, where you can read into it several different ways. You can read into the killer several different ways. It's just kind of open-ended. It's almost like what we did with Kill List. You're kind of thrown into a scenario, and then it takes you right back out of it. And you don't really know, you know, heads or tails. You just kind of use your imagination to fill in the blanks. Right. And everybody's interpretation is plausible because of that open-endedness. Okay. Tie it back to the Christmas part. 
since this is kind of our Christmas pod. And there's two parts in the movie where you hear it. <laughs> Your guys' thoughts on Christmas music. Christmas music? All right. As a kid, it really got me in the spirit of Christmas. Like, hearing the carols and certain songs in particular, like, it just made me feel like, as a kid, like, okay, Santa Claus is coming, the presents yeah. are here, the mm-hmm. Christmas tree is up, people caroling. Transformers. And, yeah, all that good shit. You know, <laughs> and the, the Charlie Brown Christmas and Rudolph, all that shit, right? So as a child, I looked forward to it. As an adult, you become a little bit more cynical. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, god damn. It makes me feel crazy. <laughs> yeah, and you know, in a weird way, it's like I don't really subscribe to certain you know philosophies or religions, etc. It's like I still feel it to an extent, but it's mostly because of family. Yeah. You know, it is a tradition. It's a custom. But I don't feel it in the sense like I don't anticipate it like, oh, Santa's coming to give me gifts. And it's like that's already been demystified. So the music itself, because it has that attachment, it's like I feel a little nostalgic, but not to the point where it's like it gets me into spirits. Like I kind of look forward to after all this shit, Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Mm-hmm. I feel the same. Yeah? Mm-hmm. How about you, yeah. Tyler? Yeah, I'm okay with it during like maybe even the entire week of Christmas. I mean, yeah. I worked retail, though. That shit would go on the day after Thanksgiving. Fuck. Yeah, that kind of pisses me off. Just nonstop, and I got really burnt out really quickly on most Christmas music. Honestly, I kind of dig like the traditional yeah, carols, yeah, yeah. and could actually probably listen to a few of those almost year round. Like I wouldn't put them on, but if I heard them, <laughs> and it was one of the old school traditionals, yeah, I wouldn't be yeah. like driven crazy by it. I'd just be like, "That's weird that they're playing this in July," but oh, I kind of. You know, whatever, this is kind of a pretty song. I, th- I think now what really gets me in the mood for this time of year, more so than the music, is is actually some of the films that are centered around this time of year, like Home Die Alone Hard. and Die Hard. Yeah, Die Hard. Dude, and Christmas Gremlins music. and shit. Christmas music and horror movies has never been a thing for me. It's always been one or the other, you know? Yeah, I exactly. Combined. Gremlins, well, yeah, that's right. Well, I'll tell you what, as uh, someone who was at one point studying to be a music education person, a teacher, those carolers... The last half of the Come All You Faithful, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. those motherfuckers turned it on. That shit was fire after that first <laughs> verse. Yeah. That was one of the most complicated arrangements I have heard of that song. Yeah, dude. They were doing They were killing it. That uh, was a tense scene, though, wasn't it? It was, because yeah, it was they masking. they cutting back and forth. Yeah. yeah, it was masking the fact that Margot Kidder's character was getting slaughtered upstairs. That's right. Yeah. Well, Jess is like... Unicorned. Yeah, she's getting unicorned. She was getting her three <laughs> minutes of fame. She's getting cornholed. Well, I, something, too, that was ironic maybe coincidence as she mentioned she's like i'm lucky to have a stranger in my room right yeah oh yeah yes little did she know <laughs> like the first verse was like okay standard i'm like yeah it's cool i've heard of come to all you faithful a lot of times I like this is song. really pretty though like it was beautiful i think like they had a choir recorded like i don't oh, think i'm it sure was, of it yeah or those kids were part of the choir because i'm pretty been. sure i saw that in the credits like doesn't twisted sister cover that song in their christmas album oh probably <laughs> that's fucking funny but i'll tell you after that first chorus god damn they turn it up it goes into overdrive it yeah. goes into like four very complicated parts it's loud yeah very complicated yeah, I like their expressions. Maybe the not. Faces. I mean, there might be somebody out there being like, it's not that complicated. It's way more complicated than any version I've ever had to sing. <laughs> there you go. No, I just felt like this film entailed that time of year. Like, it really put you into a situation where it felt authentic. It didn't feel fabricated. Mm-hmm. Part of that's owed to a couple of things. 
they got their inspiration, and Roy Moore did, from an urban legend, Babysitter. Oh, yeah, the, the Babysitter with the man upstairs. The call's coming yeah. from inside the house. Yeah, and then there was a, apparently a real-life crime that happened in Montreal. I, can't, I think it was back in the 50s, perhaps. Even some of that urban legend was derived from something similar that happened in Missouri, but that urban legend has to do with, you know, this young girl. She's babysitting kids. She gets a call to check on the kids, and she dismisses it. Long story short, you know, they find out the call's coming from inside the house. The guy had killed the kids, and he winds up killing her. And, That's um, twisted, dude. She's raped, too, I think. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's based off of some of those things. And that story within itself actually led to other films, like When a Stranger Calls and some other shit. I think even stuff more recently, too. So, I mean, they're still kind of playing on that urban legend. But, I mean, it, it's still kind of a cool way to incorporate into this film, where it doesn't feel contrived. Speaking of urban legends, there was one other point that I made in my notes, and then I've actually gotten through most of my notes, because I just point out the stupid shit in these movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> you would be hard-pressed, even though their flannels were of a different color, after seeing the farmer that shot that police guy <laughs> in the ass, yeah, yeah. and knowing that most <laughs> of Nickelodeon stuff in the 90s was made in Canada... Oh, yeah, for sure. You would be hard-pressed <laughs> to convince me that... The look of Zeke the plumber from Salute Your Shorts isn't based off of that farmer. No way. I, you know, considering too it was filmed in Toronto. Yeah, I think your argument's strong. I mean, I don't mean that. Uh, Zeke the plumber looks almost exactly like that guy. That's Do you remember Zeke at. the plumber? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, from Salute Your Shorts. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly you're talking about. With the missing the nose. Yeah, yeah. So this is like a '90s reference. Okay. Not in but yeah. In the plunger. It doesn't surprise me at all. To be honest, that's kind of funny, dude. There are so many things. In this film, with the tension, the drama, the atmosphere, and then those moments of, of comedy relief. Yeah. And all the wonky like, actors from all over the place. Well, it's you know? a blend of American and Canadian, you know. And when you read early reviews of this film, like, it was panned a lot because they felt like they were trying to market it more towards American audiences, more so than Canadian audiences. And they didn't like that for whatever reasons. Canada uh, for Canadians, eh? I know, right? <laughs> There's no blue. <laughs> you created that. <laughs> but this kind of lends back to what I wanted to mention with Margot Kidder is there was a guy who interviewed her, and she made mention that if you were an actor doing Canadian films, right, and after you've, like, say, done four or five leading roles, that was it for you. Like, hmm. they would say it's somebody else's turn to play a leading character because you've done X amount of films, we want to showcase somebody else. So that kind of gets back into, you know, you have to have so many Canadians, whether it's in the film, <coughs> acting, or in the crew. Explains how they keep coming up with new crops of Canadians all the time. Yeah, and I, 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 <laughs> I mean... Crops of Canadians. Yeah, crop. <laughs> For how long has, like, American comedy been dominated by Canadians? That's a good point. Mm -hmm. I mean, we mentioned SCTV, and when you look at Lorne Michaels, I mean, that he was the creator of that, and he brought SNL over to the States with some of these cast members from that. Mm -hmm. I think even with, like, being so close to Chicago and, and Detroit and certain places like that, too, is... You get those comedians that come on over to get the exposure, and they plant themselves in those cities I'd mentioned. And, yeah, you don't even realize they're Canadian until you hear them slip up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a weird Canadian influence on American media that I think goes... I think song. it probably owes to all of us here in this room. Like We probably don't realize the influence of Canada on the film and music and entertainment we grew up with. Is Drake Canadian? Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
For sure. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I just don't know if he was, like, born Canadian. Oh, yeah, he's 100. He's 100, bro. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I wasn't sure if maybe, like, he was born down here and moved up to Canada yeah, when he was know. young. <laughs> Dude, I just noticed that scary mask you have up in the window over there. <laughs> shit, I never noticed that. I yeah, I made that. <laughs> so it's funny. Like, this is another one of those Canadian productions that has helped influence American films. It's also, when I start looking about the TV shows, we, we talked about Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's filmed in freaking Montreal. <laughs> you know, there's so much shit that trickled down. I just think it's really cool that we're getting to see those connections. I mean, we did the Cronenberg, a couple of things with him with Jason X and Nightbreed and shit like that. So, you know, we start seeing some of those influences and what it means to cinema. You know, mm-hmm. So this is a another one of those Canadian films that helps spur a whole subgenre into today's date. I'm going to immediately make a correction. Salute Your Shorts was actually American made. No, that's what I mean. I, mean I knew it in L.A. I knew Salute Your Shorts was, but I mean, but what you were talking about. a lot of those in the mid '90s though that were. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, even you can't say that on television was filmed in Canada. Oh. Yeah. So there's that. I mean, there's other shit. Ryan Reynolds was in, I think, a few things. There's a few other people. Yeah, I mean, I know there were some Canadian productions now, but it's just funny, man. I have to say, this could be the first horror movie about Christmas that's set in Christmas that I've watched in December before. No shit. I mean, normally it's October, November, fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where the heavy rotation of horror films comes into play. But it just goes to show that you can center films around, whether it's holidays or just throughout the year. It doesn't necessarily have to be around Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have Leprechaun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in the hood. <laughs> was Child's Play during Christmas? Or was that... Oh, when is Child's Play? Is that for his... Was that it was his birthday, birthday present? It, it was oh, okay. his birthday. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It is in like the wintertime, though, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that was from the Chicago, so... This might be a new thing for me is watching dark, twisted... Yeah, I mean, there's some good ones, dude. Non-traditional we Christmas talked movies about during Silent December. Night, Deadly Night. It's not a bad one to watch. I'm t- Gremlins is always... Slay. Yeah, Santa's sleigh. I can't uh, stop laughing about people. Krampus, Tom. too. Krampus. Like, that's yeah, kind of a new... Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, there's some really cool things, you know. Rewatch Inside. Yeah, Inside's a great one. <laughs> that scene with the cop when he's helping her. Oh, my God. It's like, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Half <laughs> yeah. his head disappears. I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be that kind of movie. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Bad time to eat soup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like this was a perfect film to maybe get us into the holiday spirit yeah and to help us carry I'm into way the year in the holiday spirit than i was before watching this movie. oh yeah i was like i'm surprised like i said we, we didn't get to cover this one a lot earlier but i mean it's a good way to end the year it's a good way to mm-hmm. yeah. usher us into episode 100 so i mean in a lot of ways it's a landmark review for us too yeah we and get to have alex on we got thanks that's that's true. True. congratulations on 99 yeah, we got Thanks, man. 100 coming up next, yeah. which uh, we should point out, if you haven't listened to the last couple weeks, we're going to be taking at least two weeks off. Mm-hmm. The holidays are coming up, Yeah, and holiday-ish dates occur on both the days that we would normally record. So we're not going to record, and we're going to go spend that time with our families and loved ones and enjoy this holiday spirit, I guess. <laughs> Fucking, I don't know. I'm probably just going to be stoned. Uh, (laughs) but when we come back we'll be coming back with episode 100 i really want to give away what we're doing just to make sure i feel like if i give it away it's going to disappoint people that that's what we're choosing to do for episode 100 until they realize that we have i think we have it yeah i think we have it down yeah it's not like give too much expectations 
I don't want to... Yeah, I think I've already been cranking it up up the expectations the last few episodes, but I know that we're really excited Oh, for yeah, it. for sure. We are definitely excited. So even if you guys fucking hate our 100th episode, <laughs> we're going to love it. <laughs> oh, it's going to be fun. I'm dude. excited already. I don't know what's going on. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll tell you about what we're doing once we turn off the mics. Yes. But... 99 ways to die. <laughs> It'll That's be... Song, we're hoping it won't be any more than two weeks, but it does involve including some other people, at least one of whom's schedule just changed. Like yeah, I know a, exactly. A week ago. Yeah. So it's going to take a little bit more figuring out than I think we were planning on before because he used to have the day off. Is Stormy Daniels going to be on your show? Stormy Daniels is going to be on the show. Yes! Awesome! And, Stormy! And she's going to be topless the entire time. Stormy edition. Because that matters so much when you're listening Storm to Storm Tracker. Us. Yeah. yeah. I'll bring pot stickers. Yeah. <laughs> So we're hoping it won't be any more than two weeks. I do want to say that there's a chance it will be, just because of... Yeah, we have to coordinate this and make sure it lines up with schedules. So, yeah, I mean, we have plans for 100, of course. We've got plans for 101 as well. we got plans for... We'll tell you what 101 is going to be. Yeah. Fine, we'll we'll skip 100. One. We'll skip. We'll tell you what 101 is going to be. It's going to be the birds, because we still haven't covered any Hitchcock on here. Gosh, that movie's fucked up. And I, <laughs> yeah. I fucking dig the birds. Yeah, dude. Alfred Hitchcock. We've wanted to do him for a while. It's just now it's a perfect time to do it. So that's coming up in like a month. Something before that in less than a month. We hope that you stick around and keep listening to us. In order to do that, please hit subscribe. However you're listening to us right now, we would love it, love it, love it. It makes it super easy to keep track of how many plays we're getting and shit and helps us get the word out there. If you're listening to us on iTunes, or even if you're not, we would love it if you'd left a review over there because that also helps sort of get the word out, especially since we're heading into episode 100. That'd be awesome. Or you can always head over to our website, www.friedsquirms.com. There's links up at the top to listen to us. You can stream the latest episode down at the bottom and all in between is our links to Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good shit. You can contact us through the website or email us squirmcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. You guys have t-shirts or uh, stickers or coffee gonna, cups yeah, or dildos get there. or anything? We're going to get there. Dudes. Anal fry. beads. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, look, the sponsored. <laughs> the fried tea. <laughs> the fried tea, yeah. <laughs> you never know. Squirmy tea, all that good stuff. The squirmy tea. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a prostate massager with the end, so it doesn't yeah. get stuck up there. You gotta start somewhere, right? <laughs> donkey D. Yeah, the Donkey D. <laughs> oh, shit. I, think, I think they probably already put out a Donkey D dildo. Mm-hmm. It's just a fist with a sixth finger. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. But still oh. give us your recommendations. If you have suggestions, let us know how we're doing. Or if you just want to say hello, let us know. We always like to hear the feedback and... You know, we try to be responsive as quick as possible. Yeah. And whenever we're not, it's because we're stoned. <laughs> yeah. So give <laughs> us a little sleep. There's been a couple times where I know I've been asleep. Yeah. And then Danny just gets to it before me. It happens. I mean, we have different schedules too. So, you know, depending on who's up first. <laughs> it's usually you. Yeah. But shit, for this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Fried D. Yeah, this is Alex the Donkey Man here. Thanks for having me. You guys are yeah, dude. fucking oh twisted. We're so glad that you came on. And this is Fried Squirms. Out. Out.